Hey, everybody. Welcome to Roger and Me, a.k.a. Roger Ebert and Me, a Siskel and Ebert tribute podcast in which we review all the new movies that come out every Friday. We tend to be fairly exhaustive, but MarkReviewsMovies.com, my co-host Mark Dusick's website, where he's been reviewing movies for 20 plus years, 21 plus years, maybe 22 plus years at this point. Uh, who can keep up? He's got more than we cover on this show. We are covering six or seven today. We're being loose about it for reasons we'll discuss maybe later. <laughs> but uh, six or seven movies today, Mark. I think your website has looks like eleven. Wow. Yes, it does. Sorry, I muted myself and <laughs> I was double checking how many. <laughs> yes, like, there's eleven. The Move over. There's eleven. Yes. Yes, forget this podcast. Go to markreviewsmovies.com. Read the reviews of all 11 movies that are fit to print this week. And we're talking about seven of them. There's not really a major theatrical release that we are covering on the podcast this week. Uh, This may be the first time in Mark's 20-whatever-it-is-year history of reviewing movies that you will not be covering the movie that is sure to be number one at the box office this weekend. I can't think of another example that would... That would qualify. I'm, sh- yeah. I'm sure there was some, you know, horror movie that didn't screen for critics, oh, and sure. I just like missed out on for some reason, and it jumped up there. Maybe but, yeah, like a one missed call or something. Oh no, <laughs> I that screened for critics somehow. Did it? <laughs> yeah, I wow. It. We all remember where we were in 2006 when that came. Out. I remember where I was because that movie has an exorcism of a cell phone, and it's hilarious and ingenious. And I wish the rest of the movie were that smart. See, this is. These are the things that are in my head now. I probably lost some important thing to remember <laughs> that One Miss Call has a cell phone exorcism in it. I just remember Whatever. Shannon Sossaman's in it, who doesn't really do movies anymore, but she's, or maybe she does, but she's in a cool band called Warpaint. Um, uh, yeah, that movie's actually 2008. Let's correct the record on that. Uh, apologies. Um, how did we get? How did we get to one? I, how did we get here? I don't know. <laughs> I pulled it out of nowhere. I don't know why. The point. Um, I think the point yeah. is the Taylor Swift concert movie is out yes, this weekend, and apparently it screened for certain critics, or certain critics oh. got access to the premiere because it's got reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Got it. Um, I I don't know. I would. Yeah, I we were not. In, yeah, we were yeah. not invited, and you know, no offense to Taylor Swift, I'm sure it's awesome, but I don't think Mark and I are two people who are going to go, you know, make time for the three hour Taylor Swift concert, but it is worth discussing in terms of there's been tons of concert films, but none of them have had quite the footprint. This one has like, no, none of them have pre grossed a hundred million before they come out and are talked about as if they could possibly make a billion dollars. There's nothing on this scale that's ever really happened. So definitely an interesting box office situation. And, uh, that's not, well, we're not a box office podcast. We're a movie review podcast. I wouldn't feel right reviewing the Taylor Swift era's tour concert film as a movie for some reason. It just feels, you know, I saw Stop Making Sense in IMAX. I would talk about that. I guess that feels like a concert film directed by Jonathan Demme. Not to say this one isn't. Who am I to say? We're not. We're, we're, what we are saying is we haven't seen it. Our eyes have not laid upon it. And therefore, we are not reviewing it. But that is the the, the only major theatrical release out this week exorcist was supposed to come out this week but blumhouse smartly threw it uh a week ahead last week so uh to make way for taylor swift to do very well 
and that's what's happening. But we have a slew of movies that are available to rent on VOD, I believe, and some that are streaming on Amazon Prime, like this main event, the first one starring uh, Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. It's called The Burial. It's a legal thriller, I would say, or the courtroom drama. I don't know. Legal thriller is wrong. That's a wrong description. It is a courtroom drama. Uh, let's talk about The Burial before I miss, before I describe it any more incorrectly. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, how y'all doing? All y'all that don't know who I am, my name is Willie Gary. Willie Gary. Willie Gary. William Gary. Never heard of him. What's so special about this guy anyway? Litigation is war. It's a battle. Bam! And I'm not talking about no bullshit either. I'm talking about some Jean-Claude Van Damme ass-kicking shit. Truth is, I may have gotten myself into a lot of trouble. I've been your lawyer 30 years. We can find a way out of it. You've never sued anybody before in your whole life. This fellow tried to bully me out of business. And I don't think I should be expected to stand for it. Mr. Gary hasn't lost a case in over 12 years. You suggesting I hire this guy as one of my lawyers? Y'all come on in. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Gary. Let me introduce you to Mark Allred. How do you feel about working with black folk? I suppose I am a little prejudiced. Mm. Did you meet my team? I'm Chris. Sean. Yes, he does. Gentlemen, he's suing us. Mark, this movie could very easily fall into what I would call Green Book style platitudes about race that don't really explore the black perspective in a way that is satisfying. Uh, and I feel like this movie avoids that somehow and manages to be about race in an actually compelling way that gets it sad truths about the country and actually explores those topics in a way that doesn't shy away from the the very sad nature of our country's history with race. And it does all that within a very watchable, crowd-pleasing, a David versus Goliath, you know, big corporation versus the little guy movie uh, with some twists and turns. And I think Jamie Foxx, who's an actor I always enjoy, who I thought was really great in They Clone Tyrone this year, gets to shine even more as like the lead role in this movie as an attorney representing Tommy Lee Jones, who is like a funeral home operator who is being suing over contractual dispute why don't you tell me what this movie's about yeah it's a it's a it's a, a feel-good entertaining courtroom drama about uh funeral homes and burial insurance and a monopolistic corporation out of canada one trying ticket, to take please. over yeah i know it sounds so dull but it's it is a lot of fun and it does say a lot of smart things about the, the justice system and yes. about the history of injustice in this country in subtle ways that I don't even think, you know, it's not trying to hit you over the head with it. It's just no. telling you this is, this is what's going on. You cannot, if you go into Southern Mississippi where this movie is set, if you go into Southern Mississippi and you start opening up a case about any kind of injustice, you're going to come across a point at which um, black people were harmed by some kind of system and that's just going to happen. And the way that that just kind of gets introduced into the story without you even noticing it is it makes a very, very strong point about justice in this country and how it's been, you know, held back for certain people for centuries. It's, it's very smart about that, but it is upfront. It is very entertaining. It's a lot of fun. And a lot of that does have to do with the fact that it has Jamie Foxx in the lead and it has Tommy Lee Jones 
kind of coasting, but you know, who cares? It's Tommy Lee Jones. This is the character he's playing. He nails it. It's it's just a lot of fun in that way. It's it focuses on the personalities and on the characters, and that's what makes it so much fun. You know, Tommy Lee Jones is famous for telling Jimmy Jim Carrey that he does not sanction his buffoonery on the set of what was that? Batman and Robin? No, Batman Forever. Batman Forever, yeah. Batman Forever. And, you know, I can't imagine you think he did you think do you think he sanctioned Jamie Foxx's on set buffoonery? The man is a comedian. I feel like he may have I hope have, so because I bristled. mean <laughs> it's right in there in the character. The character is this exactly. big charismatic showboater who's yes. in the courtroom just, you know, and that's that's the character. And I I I, am, I would hope so, but it's a it's a really really good performance. Nobody I there are very few actors I think who can channel that level of charisma and pull off a character this big and make him believable because there is this underlying truth to the guy that he is like a family man who really just does want to do the best by his family and to make it work and to be famous yes and to make money yes but also he's got a point in why he wanted to become an attorney and there's a version of this character that would be like you can make him like reprehensible if you wanted to. I feel like, like you know what I mean. Like you could be like this this lawyer who just wants to be rich and you know only takes cases that'll win and stuff. But like he is charming and charismatic, and you do root for him even though he's this lawyer getting rich on this on this stuff. Because again, he's representing people that you, the audience, want to win. It's like the little man and stuff like that. Uh, I love that his introduction scene with the closing statement of the guy who got hit by the truck yes. and how all that stuff that just the punchline of that long, that long thing, yeah. basically um, scolding his client for everything he did up until a certain point, And that, you know, that that one argument, that's all he needed to make. It's such a good scene that introduces the character. I think I know why Tommy Lee Jones is, you said, you know, kind of, I don't know if you said he's sleepwalking through this movie or he's just coasting. coasting Yeah, he's just, yeah. I think it's because, you know, this is two fewer burials than he's used to. He directed that movie, (laughs) The Three Burials of Melchiades Estrada. Good movie. Uh, But that was three burials. This is only one. So we didn't really have to give it his full attention. Uh, Jokes aside, I, yeah, I thought this was a really entertaining movie that, the, the PR people were really pushing to go see it in a theater. And I understand why, because it's very much like a crowd pleaser. They want every, there's applause moments I'll say, I guess. And yeah, it definitely is. I don't want to say derivative. Like it doesn't feel derivative because of the way that like the title has another meaning. That's actually really deep and clever. Uh, that's about what we're talking about, like the racial injustice of the country and what the movie's actually about. So, like, I don't think it's actually a derivative courtroom thriller in that way. I think it's actually getting at, you know, bigger truths than the ones it's examining. Like, it's using a single case to get at a bigger truth. And, yeah, you know, it's a little... It's it's like a two-hour courtroom drama in a week where I feel like I ended up watching three of them because we had this. There was Miranda's Victim last week. And then there's a movie we haven't covered that you know, I would recommend wholeheartedly uh, the last William Friedkin movie that is unfortunately it's been shunted to Showtime. So Mark rightfully he reviews movies that are released in theaters, not movies that debut on Showtime. So we didn't cover the Kane Mutiny Court Martial. That's a really good, um, another really good courtroom drama that's out this week, I believe, or last week on Showtime, Paramount Plus with Showtime, whatever. So the legal legal drama courtroom drama is back and this is a good example of one 
Uh, I feel like I was going to say, say something else about it, but what else can be said? I feel like we covered it. Um, I think some, oh, uh, Journey Smollett is really good as yes. the attorney for the company. It's got fantastic, my new favorite character actor, Bill Camp, in it being a very scummy guy. Who's That's what I wanted to say. I was going to say, what a year for Bill Camp at the movie. Yeah. Sound of Freedom and The Burial. Yeah. He's he's so good. He's uh, Alan Rush. Out, yeah, he's branching out from his usual HBO uh, roles, Bill Camp. And speaking of HBO roles, uh, Alan Ruck yeah. from Succession. Alan Ruck, yeah, from Succession. And uh, more famously, I, I think, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But, yes. you know, he's grown up since then. And he also gets to play a very, like, so I like his character to the degree that like you're supposed to like him where he is just he accepts the fact that he's a bigot yeah. and he knows he has to work on stuff and then you realize oh he really has to work on stuff but he's he's trying oh yeah it's the movie it's an interesting character past. it is a yeah character. yes but again yeah you you open up you just dig even a little bit and you're gonna find some really awful stuff going on and that's i think that's the bigger point of the movie that it gets at and it, it does it so subtly and when you don't even realize like oh this is suddenly what this movie is about it's about the past and it's about how you yep. can't escape it and that it's going to keep coming up because this is just the nature of the country. It's what, how yeah. it was founded. It's all of that stuff. We're going to talk about that, I think, a lot more next week when we get to a, a bigger movie. Yes, um, that's right. But yeah, this is, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, though. I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's preachy or it's trying that's to like, push thing. a message or anything. It it's could, a lot of fun. It could feel like a homework movie where you're like, yeah, that was good, but I felt like it was trying to teach me lessons. And this movie will not necessarily teach you lessons or anything, but it does get at big, as we keep talking about, it gets at huge, uh, big, sad ideas and it gets at them honestly. And that's more than I can say for most other (laughs) courtroom dramas. And it does do that within the, as you're saying, a very rousing, exciting crowd pleaser with all the drama moments you want and the great performance from Jamie Foxx. It's a a good movie. I'm full... Full-throated three-star recommend on the burial. Yep, three stars as well. It is now on Prime Video. It was in theaters last week, but yeah, it's on Prime Video. Available to watch. They were pushing it on Thursday Night Football last night, which was... Oh, wow. I mean, they got to push what they can. Their Thursday Night Football presentation isn't that great. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And, you know, this is a movie with two big stars that, you know, there's a world where this, you know, made a good amount of money at the box office if they made a real run run at it. But, you know, I'll, they'll, they'll take a bunch of people watching it on Prime Video. So go ahead, watch it, add to their stats. Uh, let's talk about another movie. I don't know where this is coming out. In Theaters Limited and VOD, is this true? Yeah, here. In yeah. Theaters, On Demand, and on Digital today. This is a Lionsgate film. This is actually a BuzzFeed Studios film. Excuse me. Brought to you by Lionsgate. Uh, it's based on a meme. This is at least the second meme-based movie I can think of. Zola was the last one that was based on a Twitter thread. This one's also based on a Twitter thread. Uh, I'm looking forward to more meme-based movies. Maybe we'll get Damn Daniel next year. But this year, we have Dear David. Alice, engaging with trolls is like the worst possible use of your energy. Me and my internet friends, we be sipping since you joined BuzzFeed, your art got super lame. Ping. And you die in a fire. 
don't judge me. Sometimes you gotta troll the trolls. I might swirl up in my pajamas. Well, that's the movie. <laughs> Jump scare vehicle with a message I did not expect that is kind of beaten over the head with a computer and a modem and a router. Um, the ways in which this movie is about the internet is is funny to me, if only because it devolves into such literal, goofy interpretations of computer-based horror that I, you had to just kind of laugh at it. Um, I was with it for maybe a minute, but this meme-based movie is really just about cyberbullying. Like, that's the big thing. It's like, don't cyberbully or this little boy from the internet will murder you. <laughs> that's It's not that compelling an idea. I'm pretty sure Justin Long is supposed to be playing Jonah Peretti in this movie. Essentially, the guy who runs BuzzFeed. He's probably more of a middle manager guy, but I don't know. The movie is produced by Jonah Peretti, of course. Executive produced. Um what do you think of this BuzzFeed picture, Mark? Your first, I would uh, imagine. I think that BuzzFeed. I think that BuzzFeed features heavily into this BuzzFeed picture because it's the only. It's the only website, the only company, the only sort of anything that exists in this world. Yeah. There's no Twitter. It's all a generic sort of microblogging site that they have that looks exactly like Twitter, but it's yes. not Twitter Did because you... that might distract. <laughs> that might distract you from BuzzFeed. I was gonna say I noticed that too. That all of their handles on tw- on the fake Twitter were written with in care with characters in such a way that they could not be like liable for saying it was Twitter. They're like, it can't be Twitter. We have a dash and an exclamation point in the name in, in every username. Like every username yeah. was a regular username with some random character thrown in. It was really fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird. It was weird to watch that because this movie is supposedly very much about living online and being online and it doesn't feel authentic in that way and that's kind of a minor quibble except for the fact that it doesn't really feel authentic in many many ways even though it is do you remember the phrasing in the opening it doesn't say it's inspired by true by a true story or something it's like it's phrased so awkwardly like this is inspired by things that actually happened or something like that yeah so it's so weirdly phrased like almost to try to say like this might, this isn't, we're not necessarily saying this is true. It's just that it happened from a certain point of view. And that's that feeling that I get from it is like, I, I don't, I don't get what it's trying to get at. Does, is this ghost real? I think by the end, you're supposed to assume that it is real. Or is it just this guy feeling guilty and everything about the way that he interacts with people online and the way that all that stuff is coming at him online from, you know, I guess selling out? Is that the, I, it's so weird. The character isn't convincing. No. The online stuff isn't convincing. The backstory of the ghost, I'm not 100% sure what happens because it, it tells you a couple. He sees certain visions and then yeah. they're contradicted by the news story. And then the well, news story itself yeah. kind of plants the idea like, of course, this is all in his head. But then it's also not in his head because it's actually happening. Yeah, it doesn't commit to any of it. It's, it's frustrating. Bullshit. It's I mean, so frustrating. It's bullshit. It's a movie based on a fucking Twitter thread. And let's be clear. The Twitter thread is one of those Twitter threads where the person who writes it 
becomes a fixture on Twitter and gets 20,000 followers from that experience and then, you know, go on living their lives and posting whatever they want. And it's clearly, let's be real, Mark, this isn't anything that this person who posted it thought was real. I would argue it was always clear to me. These things are, I just am online too much where I see a a thread like this and I go, yeah, that's fake. It's like the guy who said he overheard a breakup happen on his roof and he live tweeted it. Yeah. It's like that. It's like total bullshit that is just for the person to boost themselves and go viral. So that's what it was. So I don't like that it was rewarded with this fucking movie that's supposed to like explain this Twitter thread that literally no one would remember. Like I have no I don't I don't remember I didn't know I I didn't know about it when it happened. I had no clue about it until this movie really Exactly. Um yeah it's yeah this is that obvious just fake thing like my seven-year-old came in and just explained the difference between machiavellian politics and relationship to donald <laughs> yeah. trump like my yeah that didn't happen in. we know yeah. that yeah my daughter came in and said you know rbg ruth conda forever or whatever like yeah all that, that stuff shit. like yeah. no that didn't happen we well, know that, that I, didn't happen now that i have a daughter i can do that fake twitter content i can't wait you to can. put, i can't wait to put words in her mouth that she didn't say and then go viral <laughs> Just completely horseshit. But yeah, I was totally down for this movie to be fun and have fun with that idea. But the backstory, just again, I want to spoil it because of how dumb it is, but I won't. But like, there's such a literal, like, they didn't think about this, like, like first draft energy to the ideas that they come up with. Like, <laughs> yes. what if the mom did this to the kid because computers? And then later, what if the guy died via this way because oh, wait i forgot about that what is that with the, the the fist going in the throat at that opening like what does that have to do with anything else that comes up nothing no it, nothing. nothing it's all it's all red herring jump scare bullshit and like if the jump scare sequences were compelling i would be like it's you know give it be a little kinder but all i remember is like there's like that off kilter askew like windows and stuff like that i liked i like that. that stuff i like yeah. that and then there's the rest of it's just like waiting for the little boy to appear and then he does and it's like okay and yeah it's very uninteresting but there's a funny part where he's googling like how did i invite a ghost into my life or something to try to figure out what happened and i love a scene where a character is just googling which i believe the trend started in like the ring where she's just constantly googling things um (laughs) but yeah I i don't know it's just very tropey there's a lot of, oh, there's like relationship drama thrown in that I don't really give a shit yeah. about. And this might not track for anybody, or maybe it will, and they'll laugh if you watch the movie. But the score sounds like the song Du Hast by Ramstein could break out <laughs> at any moment. It is just doing the beginning of of that song. And if you hear it, once you hear it, you will, you will laugh. Um, it's a movie about being mean and anonymous online and trolling trolls. And But is it about that? Not really. It kind of, it kind of, dips its toe in that and then it's like no it's just a ghost movie about a dead boy who was killed for cyber bully reasons or the, or was it that nope or not or, or yep. not or something else entirely who or knows? something it else that have anything to do with more literal of like what if a desktop computer hit him <laughs> maybe yeah, that's that an is, idea. is that is that the actual now that I've, i didn't even make that connection but is that the idea that he got transferred into I didn't even think that hard about internet. it, Mark. And I don't think I they think thought that, that hard I know. about it either. I, I don't either. Know. Maybe. <laughs> Just a bunch of cheap jump scares that don't work mixed with some creepy atmosphere that's kind of interesting yeah. from a visual point of view. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Those crooked windows and doors is a really compelling image, especially when you're talking about like because he's suffering from sleep paralysis yeah. and just 
like getting that perspective like this is what it would look like to him i i like those little sections of it but otherwise it's like you know okay as someone who can't stop tweeting for the life of me like it to me it, you could say this is a horror movie about the compulsion to tweet because he just is having these ghostly experiences happen and the first thing he does is go to his phone and just start tweeting about it um or you could say it's a horror movie about having a job at buzzfeed because it looks like it's horrible. I am surprised by the degree to which they let the movie make fun of BuzzFeed. Because it definitely seems like a horrible place to work. Is the vibe I got. Um, but it's the only place to work. Correct. Apparently. correct. So it's okay. <laughs> it's just, you know... Zola's a better movie based on a meme that I also thought was a bullshit fake thread. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the pegging to a thread here is... Again, I feel like Zola was even bigger. But like maybe I did he- read the Zola thread... But this one I just had never heard of. And it feels like they're really tr- like you're reaching back to a meme from or a thread from 2017 for like this movie. But like, you know, that's how you get written about online. You get articles in every publication written about this movie based on a meme. And like, I get it. It's a selling point. It's a hook. And that's all it is, though. They did not use the hook selling point to make a compelling horror movie. And that is why I think both of us are one and a half on Dear David. Yeah, I'm one and a half. I think that half comes from those canted ang- the canted angle. I think so. Goofy, yeah, like gothic horror uh, flourishes that come through in a fun way. But that's really all that I got for it. Yeah, it's almost German expressionistic. Yeah, hundred percent. Very cabinet, of, cabinet of Doctor Caligari. A little, just a little tinge of that. It's... Yep, and it reminded me of another disappointing horror movie from this year that also had cool visual flourishes. Do you remember Cobweb from a few weeks ago or a month or yeah. two ago? That mm-hmm. also had cool shots like that. Um, but the movie was bad around it. Um, yeah. the movie was also just that movie was a Treehouse of Horror episode from The Simpsons. Uh, I I, I realized <laughs> after was. the fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't think we touched on that. But if you were, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Cat Person. Now, this is a movie I saw at Sundance that I can talk about confidently ten months later because I remember how ba- fucking bad it was. There's another one maybe later that we might skip or maybe we'll talk about that I do not remember, but maybe we'll make fun of it anyway. But this is Cat Person based on not a meme, Mark, but a very viral article from The New Yorker that um, was like a short story. It's not it's not like a fact based article necessarily. It is definitely was written as a short story. The woman who wrote that short story went on to sell a spec horror script. Do you know what that movie was, Mark? I do not. It was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Which is oh, very interesting. That was written. That explains. Yeah, the first draft, at least, of that movie was written by the woman who wrote Cat Person, whose name I don't have in front of me. Sorry, but they made a movie out of Cat Person, the New Yorker short story that went viral because it had a weird photo of people kissing on it. Um, and here's the movie. I think everyone agrees, except for one person that I know who's a friend of the show, that this movie was bad. Uh, we should have had him on to talk about why it's good because I don't think we're going to agree. I think we're going to agree. Cat person is bad. Here's the trailer. Is that that guy Robert again? Listen, concession stand girl. Why don't you give me your number? Wait, you never said where he goes to school. I think he just works. Oysters, come on. He has cats. His eyes are nice. They crinkle. Yeah, because he's old. I think I really like him. As promised. I'm not saying I will have sex with him, but I think he would like it. Why are we having this conversation? He's a terrible kisser.
listen to me. Call it a night. Hey, do we want to do this? This is the worst life decision I've ever made. I had a good time tonight. Didn't you? Yeah. So what was his go-to move? The reverse squatting cowgirl? Uh, Were his cats at least cute? I never saw them. Uh-oh. Why lie about having cats? Because liking cats makes a guy seem non-threatening. You know what I just realized while watching this trailer, Mark, is we did have a horror movie about the horror of being a woman, of being a woman in the world just last week that I thought was very effective. Uh, at getting at this exact idea that I think Cat Person is very poorly trying to get at with its dream sequence visions and like horror elements that don't really come across as being like actually horror. I just didn't know what this movie was trying to do, Mark. If if you want to demonstrate that being a woman in the world on the dating scene is a horror movie, then make the horror movie instead of whatever the fuck this is that feels like a halfway there trying to do that but also like not taking it seriously enough and trying to be funny with it, but also just catastrophic third act failure. But I think pointing that out undersells how bad the first two acts are. Uh, I saw it a long time ago. Why don't you jump in here? Yeah, I'm, I I don't think it's necessarily just, just trying to say that dating in the modern world as a woman is a horror show because it's also trying to both sides the issue to a degree that there is right. a, there is a lot of stuff about trying to see the perspective of the guy which is i guess admirable and commendable except when you you're, you're right when you frame it in that third act which just goes so over the top yeah that is i i don't i don't even know what the thinking was and i after the fact i kind of looked up the short story which ends on a very pointed note it yes. doesn't end with everything that happens after a certain text message. That's right. And huge point that, short, that, the, that the short story yeah. ends at a very specific point and the movie continues on. The movie continues on for no reason except to turn it into this weird yes. pseudo thriller where the guy might be stalking her, but also she might be overreacting to what's going on. And isn't it, you know, I, I, I guess it's like the question is like, is the overreaction the problem or is the fact that he might actually be stalking her the problem? Yeah. And I would say the, the fact that he might be stalking her is the actual problem and her overreacting yes. to it is like, you it's... know, maybe she has she has good reasons to be worried. And I didn't buy that this guy who we never really get to meet, we never really get to know him except through the text, which the movie it's, uh, yeah. up front admits is not the truth. Yeah. Through these imagination sequences, which do just land like a thud as comedy and as trying to understand yeah. her perspective. Because there's a scene where she literally is talking to herself. Yeah. She's having like an out-of-body out of experience and talking to herself about what she's doing and why it could be a mistake and how she could get out of it and what she should do. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work at trying to get at any point because it's just it's I, piling on so much. I can't stress enough how adding that third act like dis just completely ruins. I feel like the effect of what the story is getting at, like the idea that like, you don't know. And like, you know what I mean? Like that, that it is this gray area thing. And like 
you it, it just completely flies in the face of I think what the story is doing is to both sides it in that way and seem very sympathetic to like the idea of you know a lonely young man in the world which is like you know a problem we have in society with you know all who are all these mass shooters right like they're like the incels on the internet and stuff like that and like the movie is weirdly sympathetic to them and then it, i feel like it just you're right it takes both sides because then it's also just cartoonishly unsubtle in the other way too and it just feels completely on the nose lacks all the subtlety that was was in the text i think the subtlety is in the text and the subtlety is not in the movie at all people do not talk like they do in this movie um it is just a classic the catastrophic example of adaptation where they just they took something made it into a movie and but in the process of doing so like lost completely lost what the thing was saying do you agree yeah i agree with that part of it and i think you can make the argument like the best friend character who's the feminist and then has a revelation by the end that is just forced in yeah doesn't make any sense i'm okay with the idea of obviously of sympathizing and getting to understand a character who is seen in a different way like she perceives him as potentially being like this guy who could be doing this awful thing but maybe he isn't and i'm okay with it except that it comes at the very end of the movie out of nowhere and it doesn't fit because it is in the middle of this other climax too there's there's this running theme i think with the two characters being insecure she's insecure about this boyfriend from like high school who turns out to be asexual and she feels like that's that's her fault. She did something wrong. There's something wrong with her that made him become asexual. And she's insecure about it. And that's why she's clinging to this guy for a certain sense of feeling better about herself. And obviously the guy is insecure for reasons that become There's... very apparent. I like that idea of mirroring them, but it's not doing a one-to-one well, ratio at that's all. What's, that's what's fucked up. When they're mirroring the idea that, like, well, they're both, they both have their problems or whatever. Like, it makes her seem like the worst partner in the relationship and it again that is just completely flies in the face of what the text is doing so it yeah. has that problem going on where she's the one like texting new much and sending sexy pictures and like you know making it known that she's afraid of him and then by the third act which goes full like thriller in a <laughs> stupid like lifetime way it just it yeah. com- it's just it's ridiculous i i thought this movie was like awful and put on top of that that these two people have no chemistry. Like, I didn't feel their chemistry between the two of them at all. I like Nicholas Braun on Succession. His cousin Greg is in this movie. But I don't know, man. This is, like, just misguided, baffling adaptation that doesn't work as a movie, doesn't work as an adaptation of the short. Uh, If you try to explain the final act out loud, I think we both just start laughing. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's... it's (laughs) so over the top and, and you i thought it was just gonna be what it is which is turning this sort of psychological fight into a physical one but no it keeps going after that doesn't she say doesn't she uses the word super predator and i like screamed when i was watching the movie like i couldn't believe it it was the most like, just talking about how this movie is like written from a political point of view with people the way people don't speak i think she says like you know, they'll lock you up if you drug me like a super predator. Like, what? What? No one's ever said super predator, except for Hillary Clinton that one time that it became a huge story. Like, it's just fuck off with this. This movie sucks. It's a one-star movie. Uh, one and a half. I'm being a little more wow. generous. Yeah. I mean, it's still bad, but 
I, I mean, it, I think it's making some some keen points. It has some good observations. It's just well, it's it's just has, it has trying to exactly has too many yeah, observations. It's too many and too many <laughs> that it ultimately contradicts by the end. That's oh, and you know, boy, you know what, problem. Mark? I think we can agree on one thing. You know what? Cinematic texting. I wish. Oh God, me- there's so <laughs> much text. I wish more movies were mostly text messages. That would be nice. Uh, there, I think there's one movie. Um, oh no, I forgot the name of it with um, Kristen Stewart. Um, oh, personal shopper. Thank you. Personal shopper has like the yeah. best texting because that movie's about like being haunted by text messages. It's yes. so creepy. Yeah, that that is the first. That is maybe the first and only time I have felt suspense watching text on a screen within a screen because it's all about like what's coming we don't know what's coming when is it coming we don't know who's actually on the other end of this it's that's a great that's a great use of that yeah this movie, anyway this isn't yeah this <laughs> movie's bad it's not a feminist text it feels reductive it, 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 sh- it probably could have been but it should have been but it isn't because of the way the movie goes so it's just a reductive bad movie uh so that's one star for cat person one and a half from mark let's talk about a movie that I feel like I forced Mark into watching. He wasn't going to watch it because I feel like I didn't even heard of it. I thought it was going to premiere on... It's an MGM movie, which is so confusing these days. It's the last MGM movie. Is that right? Yeah, before it becomes Amazon MGM. Oh, my God. So weird. So like, I assumed it was going to be on some MGM TV channel, but it was actually at the Alamo Draft House one night only on October 11th and is now available to rent at home. It's a new David Slade horror movie. Why do people know that name, Mark? Uh, hard Candy? Uh, 30 Days of Night. Hard That's Candy. right. Yeah. Hard Candy was his indie debut. He did 30 Days of Night after that. And he directed... Were you, are you a fanable, Mark? Did you watch the Hannibal TV series? Oh, yeah. I love Hannibal. He directed a lot of that. And the, the ones he directed, I remember, are all really visually interesting. And I found this movie to look very nice. I think we'll all agree it looks pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And the movie is... I'm with Mark, but I'm also not with Mark in that Mark's a two and a half on this movie, spoiler alert, and I'm a three. But it is my my most two and a half-y three that I could give. But I, I, I'm pu- pushing it over the line. We'll talk about it. Here's Dark Harvest. It's Halloween. You know what that means. Old Sawtooth Jack is going to rise from the cornfields. It's got to be stopped. Kill or be killed. You've all heard the stories. We failed at our duties. And that black dust destroyed our crops, our lives. It must die so we can live. Your sacred duty is to take down Sawtooth Jack before that church bell rings at midnight. You really think that's real? I saw it. It's real. You saw it? Did you kill it? Then let's go kill it. I take back my walk back. Full three stars. That trailer reminded me how cool it was. Um, this is a movie about Sawtooth Jack. An urban legend that the movie invents. The movie is based on a book, uh, and it is not based on the book The Long Walk by Richard Bachman, a.k.a. Stephen King. It is based on a book called Dark Harvest that appears 
to very heavily have ripped that off. Did you get that vibe too? Or did you think I, I was didn't, reaching? It was, okay. You mentioned that. I didn't quite get the vibe. I didn't really? quite. I yeah. think just the inciting event, like the whole, like, the, I mean, they call it the run. And like, I just yeah. kept feeling like it was very evocative of Stephen King's The Long Walk, which is a great book. Um, yes. And this movie is about an urban legend in this town where Sawtooth Jack comes like every Halloween, I guess. And the he's like a pumpkin headed monster pinata pinata yeah he's full, of, he's full of candy that's a that's a great detail that i loved and i think it also kicked it up half a star for me that they they made sure to be like halloween lore uh trick or treat candy put candy in his belly i don't know whatever um it invents this monster and the long walk element to me mark was the setup of like the town all the kids in the town all the boys in the town are for whatever reason starved for several days before doing the run and then every halloween the monster sawtooth jack is set loose and someone has to go kill him or else the town dies that's like the legend um of course we learn more about the legend and what it actually means and maybe all that story plotting and stuff isn't as satisfying as the moments when sawtooth jack is revealed and cuts people's heads off in fun exciting ways i found this compelling in like a stupid horror movie type of way uh and yeah it gets a little maybe lost in the weeds of the story but it's still it ends up being like 90 ish right it was it was watchable you liked it fine okay yeah i yeah i'm not i'm not against it i am i from a plot level it makes zero sense there's no reason that you put (laughs) you starve and confine a bunch of teenage boys and then let them loose on the town that makes zero sense the i still it's don't some understand sort of it. metaphor i don't understand but it's there it explains sawtooth jack i won't explain what the explanation is but that makes no sense either i don't know what sawtooth jack actually is by the end of this whatever i don't on those elements i don't quite care about what i did appreciate and i did find compelling is that it has a consistent visual style it has a consistent yes. performance style it yes. is like there are some actors who go a bit too over the top with it the cop He's, oh, he's he terrible. Needs, he's he needed awful. to dial it down like yeah. like three he's notches. In, he's in a different and that movie. Still than might be too else. much. Yeah. Um uh it's got a it's consistent in terms of just being like this hyper stylized, hyper realistic view of what the 1960s were like. I yeah. think the fact that it is set in 1963 in October of 1963 is supposed to say something about the country because there's a big event that's about to happen in about a month after this oh, sure. that changes everything yeah. about the country i yeah. this is clearly an allegory for something i cannot pin down what it is <laughs> and i think that's yeah. the problem with it is that it is trying to say a, something about american culture and american society and it can't quite nail it it is set in this anonymous all-american small town where everybody is dressed up like a stereotypical version of a 1960s like you got the the guys in the jean jackets in the game you got the letterman jackets for the varsity preppy kids yeah it's like a high school production of the outsiders or something yeah yeah and it looks fine and i i appreciate that it does have that strong sense of style i just don't know what point it has except that it is an effective horror movie it's just everything else surrounding it that didn't work for me. The plot doesn't work. Whatever metaphorical, allegorical thing it's going for well, did not work for me. I did, couldn't read it. I don't know what it is. Well, I took away a very basic thing about, you know, it's a movie about being stuck in your hometown, right? And, like, mm-hmm. so, somebody gets out. One person gets out. 
and they're the emissary to the world for them. And everyone looks to them as like they won a lottery. And like this movie turns leaving your hometown into a lottery. Like people have yeah. to, you have to win the opportunity to leave by doing this sacrifice or whatever. And yeah, I, I, I liked that element of it. I thought it was an interesting idea. Um, there are other interesting elements. Yeah, the candy thing is very confusing to me. I feel like it was really written in at the last minute. Maybe it's in the book. I don't know. But like, didn't they also they 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 allude to like the fact that other people who left have gone on to be famous writers and stuff like that. And it's they say like yeah, and then it's like oh, did they actually? I don't remember. It's something like that. Well, I, yeah. yeah. Early on when they say it, you're like, oh, interesting idea. Then later on when the reveal happens, you're like, okay, so what happened with that then? Like, what was that? Oh no, I mean, I no, I think that, what I mean is, I think this is, the uncertainty is baked into the into the yeah. dialogue where they're like, oh, this person went off and wrote this book. I think that's what happened. I'm not 100 oh, percent sure. It, got it, got that, it, got I think it, it's it. baked into the dialogue that there is this level of uncertainty that nobody really knows what happened to these people right. who go off, and nobody knows what happens to the monster or what the monster is. Like I love the yeah, idea it keeps that coming there's back. A, there's a there's a rumor up top that like I love this idea that they're like yeah I, I don't know I don't think it's a monster I think the farmer you know he gets an inmate from the prison every year and then sacrifices him to be slaughtered by us. And like, that's a cool idea, but it ends up being, you know, actually supernatural or whatever. And, and either that works for you or it doesn't, I was fine with it. I think the monster design is cool, despite mm-hmm. being very CGI heavy. And like, is the there's fact- a mix of CGI. Yeah. And I think practical makeup effects, which are, yeah, it's eerie. I, I did. I, I, oh, I can't say it. I did. I did like another thing about the eerie level of it is that yeah. trying to, give the monster a certain level of empathy sympathy is is a nice touch yeah i don't again i don't think it gets there but whatever there's that one shot of the geyser of blood from the bunker like there's some nasty (laughs) moments man there's some real real gnarly gory deaths in this yeah Um, it works yeah it gets the job done as As like a a, movie a new halloween night let's watch a new horror movie thing like i think this gets the job done it's better than a lot of you know shutter originals that we'll be talking about uh soon for the rest uh, of the month <laughs> for the rest of the month there's a lot of them actually none of them none of them are bad but they're all right in this range i feel like yeah. um yeah. <laughs> you know i appreciated that this movie also has like the balls to end in a really dark place uh i appreciated yes that. i yep. always appreciate that when a horror movie commits to its horror aesthetic and goes oh no we're gonna end horribly for these characters um yeah i don't know the options are stay in your hometown and work at the mill or go off into the world or is that real is that choice even real or this in this cursed town so yeah cool stuff there's also the purge night element to it where like the butcher's protecting his food and stuff like that like there's a lot of cool stuff in it uh the hormonal hormonal teenage boys that they locked up for three days for some reason that yeah yeah, that that was the most confusing part and i guess we both understood it fine because like i was just grasping to be like is this what it all it is is they're starving them so they can go get Mr. Sawtooth Jack's candy. But like, you know, as soon as the movie opens with that narration that you hear in the trailer and it's like, old Sawtooth Jack came out once a year. You're like, you're either in or you're out, I feel like. And I was yeah, I was in and I liked it. I'm three stars on Dark Harvest. I say seek it out. Yeah, I'm two and a half. I am very much on the border of it. I think again, it's a horror movie, it works. It's trying to be much more, and I don't think it pulls that off in any way. But it looks nice. We agree. It looks fantastic. Great and visual style. Just every shot. I'm just, it just, I, I can't say it another way. I guess it looks like painterly and nice. Every shot. It's very, and if you, have, if, nice you have, if you have, if you have allergies, 
the first like five <laughs> minutes will be the most terrifying thing ever beyond all the bifurcation going on in the cornfields. Yeah, there's just so much pollen in the air. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. That was terrified. That crazy was terrified. Amounts, crazy amounts of pollen. Uh, trigger warning for the aller- allergens. Um, all right. Let's get at the next movie starring Amber Heard, the non-controversial Amber Heard in In the Fire, a movie that, as far as I can tell, does not exist, but will be out on video or out on digital this week. And, and in limited release, too. I don't know where, somewhere. I'm checking. We'll get back after the trailer. Here's In the Fire. I would like to see the boy as soon as possible. You keep him like this. It's his best. Mama won't buy books for me. Why is that? Because I killed her. When Martin was only months old, the Lord had spoken. We had to exorcise Martin to get the devil out. I refused. And now they blame him for everything bad that happens here. They say Martin is evil. I came to help you understand. Martin has a condition. If you just see right here. Our book also has a name for this condition. Doctor, do you believe you can cure him? If you didn't know this movie was about the ideas of religion versus science, don't worry. The movie will tell you 500 fucking times through dialogue that says it's about science versus religion. Uh, I believe I knew we were in for trouble, Mark, when this movie opened with essentially, I think it was her narrating being like, Webster's defines psychology as the science of the soul. Something like it has some very yeah, it's for the Greek for soul and <laughs> the Latin for ology. I don't yeah, know what it was. <laughs> science, like a new form of medicine to explain the phenomenon of the world. It's like uh, science, uh, psychology, whatever. Um, this movie is about a boy. Well, let's just say it like this, Mark. I think this is the easiest way to put it. Uh, Hank Hill would say, That boy ain't right. Because that boy ain't right. That's what this movie's about. It's about a boy who ain't right. Tell me more. Yeah, it's about a boy who ain't right. And the question is, why? Is it just... Is it religion? Is he on the autism spectrum? Or is he literally possessed by the devil and trying to kill people? You know, there's... You know, it's, it's, it's either or. There's no middle ground here. It's just either that one thing or the other. A medical explanation or a completely unlikely supernatural one. And I'm... It sounds like you really didn't like this movie. And I kind of, I kind of admired the fact that it is just about trying to understand this boy from a medical perspective at a time when psychology is still in its kind of nascent days. This is set in the, what, late 1800s, I think. So psychology is still moving up and, you know, people still have these, you know, superstitions about people who are different and why are they different? Well, it's got to be the devil. I right. I kind of I liked watching it. And I think Heard is is good here. This might be the best work I've seen from her. There is a certain level of intelligence and empathy going on here. The, yeah. The, the movie doesn't know how to treat her character ultimately, which is no. unfortunate. Yeah. It throws in this romantic subplot that just lands like a thud and goes nowhere within the story it's unnecessary there's a lot of unnecessary things and the most unnecessary thing is where it goes in the third act where it tries to explain what is actually going on here and it just it doesn't 
it doesn't work. You've spent this yeah. whole movie talking about superstition and talking how people in circles. are. Yeah. yeah, talking in circles about superstition and how people are prejudiced. We get the point, and you're making that point very clear. Why? And then why the yeah. third act? I don't. I would oh, say it so undercuts. It undercuts any ideas it has by by doing what it does in the third act. There's unsettling stuff and very sad stuff going on in here, and I yeah. And the movie does the movie does empathize and sympathize with all of that, and then it yeah. Oh my god! And then I hate falls, the third act so much. Yeah, I hate it, it so much. I I thought Amber Heard was good in the movie, but at the same time, it has she has the problem that I think someone described as like. She has a face that knows what a cell phone is. Like it's one of those things where like I don't really buy her in eighteen whatever or you know whatever olden period time this is. It's like tough to tough for me to see her in a period piece, even though I thought she was good. Um, no, it's just her face. I can't. She can't help it. It's not. It's not a helpful piece of criticism. Um, yeah, this movie didn't do anything for me, mostly because it was just leading you on, talking in circles to get to a conclusion. That it seems that just seems at odds with what with what the movie was trying to explore. So yeah, one and a half, I guess for okay. uh, this one. You didn't hate it as much as I thought you did. I'm no. giving it two as a low two, but you know, yeah. If you look at it, I guess I guess if you're looking at it from an actual debate, is it is it science or is it religion? And there is an actual debate there. If you look at it from that perspective, maybe it'll go down easier. But I mean. I don't think the movie even sets up the parameters for that to be an actual legitimate debate. Let's move on to the next movie, which is a Shutter original. It's from Brandon Christensen, who is a name you probably don't know, but he's like a low budget Shutter guy who's made a handful of these movies on Shutter, and I like most of them. He did Z, which I thought was good, Stillborn, which is my least favorite, not very good, and then he did oh Superhost. I thought Superhost was good. Um, this one's called The Puppet Man, and let's talk about it. We have to make this week epic. He actually bought it. <laughs> Pretty good, right? <laughs> Danny is really into you. Huh. Enough of this will they, won't they bullshit. Seriously, Danny, this one's got major daddy issues. Haven't you heard what her daddy's done to her mom? The Puppet Man made her daddy do to her mom. It's not me! <laughs> You told him. I thought that was between us. Michael, I'm sorry. I just want I can't This is another borderline two and a half that I haven't decided if it's a three, but I think it is for me. Uh, very derivative, typical horror movie people getting picked off but the way in which they're getting picked off is kind of interesting it's it's not bad as i said too derivative to muster much excitement about and i think i'm rating it a little higher because there's one kill that i found was really nasty and inspired and it's a weightlifting kill and you think you know how it's gonna go and it goes a different way and it's really gross. And that scene has like three different times where it, it went farther than I expected. It, it's got a eye, uh, what do you call it? Blood vessel pop. It's got a tooth crack. And then it has something else. Yeah. The whole time is focusing on the wrists. And you're oh. just, I, I had to turn away. I couldn't. It was just. It's good. And, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing for yeah. a horror movie. I, I don't often have to turn away. I'm usually just like, ugh. 
or yeah. gross. And I totally agree. Like that. This one, it was the tension was mounting so much because it's intercut with another death, which yes. is much sillier and a lot more elaborate. Um, but whatever. <laughs> Wait, yeah. scene alone is so. I think it was that scene that led me to write this down, but I've been a, it kind of clued in that that's what this movie was doing. It's like Final Destination vibes in terms of like yes. the kill scenes elaborately setting up these people to fail, and you know that that's what's happening. And there's even a, there is a weightlifting kill in Final Destination Three, so it did remind me of that very obviously. But it's doing Final Destination style kill sequences by way of a more modern era inherited mental illness or what narrative so like it's fine right it's like forgettable but watchable the characters are all like decently interesting there's like this idea of the puppet man who like so we see the opening scene man murders his wife while doing it he's like i can't control this i didn't do it it's not me and then we cut to like a girl in the closet who's the guy's daughter then we cut to her in college and it's her dealing with the idea that he's going to be executed soon and her having these visions or she's sleepwalking or something. So like, I don't know. All that's interesting enough. It's a good enough way into the story of someone wondering if they have the same problems that their parents have. That's really what it's doing, right? Even though it has this whole boogeyman, puppet man idea. Uh, what did you make of this movie? Yeah, I found the conceit of the puppet man uh, terrifying for one thing just because it yes. is this apparently this thing that takes over your body and you are fully conscious of everything that your body is doing but you can do nothing to stop it I, that's that's really effective that's a really good thing for oh that's a really good horror monster the fact that we never see the monster in any kind of physical form is yeah. a great touch because too many of these horror movies that are about supernatural stuff recently have failed miserably when it comes to showing the monster sure have. Um, yeah. what do we have we had it lives inside um yes a couple weeks ago where the monster did not look right at all uh, did you Cobweb, like boogie, the boogeyman did you like the boogeyman monster i don't remember no 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 <laughs> no again <laughs> another one yeah. cobwebs we talked about that earlier in the show that's that's another one it's like yep nope that monster doesn't work stop keep it hidden this one doesn't even bother showing it and that's exactly what it should do it's more about that feeling of uh, this could happen at any moment you won't be in control of yourself what will you do Chilling i mean it stuff. could be a metaphor for a lot of stuff like depression yep. or whatever it, it's kind yeah. of a fill in your own choose your own adventure metaphor which i like yeah <laughs> simple chilling stuff then oh boy Oh boy, my big problem with it. Some yeah, of the I'm performances curious. are not good. The dialogue is when they're just talking about oh, yeah. being ordinary college students and everything. Like, nope, that doesn't it, work. And me, then it a felt big lived, it felt lived in a little bit to me in a way. No. Like that's a little like the, the crassness of it. I'm like, yeah, people talk like that, but like I don't Yeah, know. they do talk yeah. like that, but not yeah. in that way, I think. It feels a little like writerly when they point sure. out like oh that was funny i'm gonna use that again like no yes, no you're not sure. no you're not no one talk, no one says that right um and then the exposition dump at the end and this really convoluted plot <laughs> the scheme mm. to get at the puppet man in the third act oh yeah i still don't know what was going on yeah. there because the movie doesn't explain it despite the fact that it goes out of its way to have the psychic and I think the, the 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 college girl herself like explained the puppet man and what it is and what's going yes. on with it. I still don't know. What it goes going full on. and out in hereditary character. Yeah, shows up. Yeah. So I'm on the fence with it, but it's I, it's two I, and I a half you. for me. I, I yeah, I'm, I can't quite. 
I, 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 yeah, as I said, that one kill being so good really gets it over the hump to being like a two and a half versus a three recommend for me, which I'm going to do. I'm going to do the full three with the the caveat that it's a two and a half. It's a two and a half leaning three, you guys. You guys know our system here. We have these convoluted ratings that make sense to us and hopefully you, but maybe not. Definitely makes sense to us. Uh, two and a half leaning three. It sets up a lot of mythology. It clearly wants to be like a, a franchise on Shudder. It just gets bogged down in like plot and, you know, not the best writing you've ever seen towards the end. Uh, but it does enough right that as far as a Shudder original goes, like if the bar is Shudder original, I think this is above above par. Like it's better than the, than the other ones I've seen. And I think it's worth recommending. So that's why I'm giving it a three as opposed to a two and a half. Um, Got it. And there might be another one of these style reviews next week with another Shutter original. Um, I let, know the one you're talking about. Yeah. We're going to disagree on that one. Are <laughs> you fully? Saying. You're fully down on it. You don't like it. I'm fully something on it. Okay, interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll I mean, talk about it next. It's week. a little. Let's say it gets a little talky <laughs> in ways you don't want it to. <laughs> it's, it's a lot talkier than this. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's oh next week. Puppet Man. That's next week. Two and a half for Mark. Three for me. The 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 go ahead and watch it on Shutter uh, pass for me. Yeah, I was genuinely surprised by it when it when you see the Puppet Man and just realize oh it's going to be this you know direct to Shutter TV horror movie like I I had no clue what I was getting at I wasn't expecting much and it surprised me genuinely that yeah. it is creepy and competent. chilling competent yeah competent if derivative but uh, from updating the rankings it's fuck the Puppet Man marry the Empty Man. <laughs> Kill the Slender Man, remain in touch but sort of distant with the Bye Bye Man. And uh, that's all the rankings I have for the moment. Uh, we'll have to update them. I don't know if the Boogeyman's on there. His Boogeyman's all one word. I'm trying to... Oh, so is the Puppet Man. So my rules are all over the place. Uh, what are we doing, Mark? Are we talking about one of the worst movies I saw at Sundance that I barely rem- remember that uh, sucked really bad called Divinity? Well, I think you just did it. Let's go for it. Why not? Okay, here's the trailer for Divinity. Reproductivity has been declining at a staggering pace. This crisis has a name. Divinity. True immortality of both body and mind. Just the right size to fit your pocket. Peter. Is death just an illusion? We're almost there, Father. So close, I can feel it. Yeah, it's experimental. It did nothing for me. I personally think they should have put Steven Soderbergh's name in the opening credits a third time so we could know that he sanctioned this movie, unfortunately. Uh, It's trying to be a trippy sci-fi B-movie about some horny ideas, but there's no reason to care about anything that's happening in it, and it's hard to follow, and it's it's just really bad. What did you make of it? Yeah, it's it's alternately incredibly simple and also just indecipherable at other times. So it's in the future, I guess, and someone has developed a formula called divinity that you ingest it and you become immortal essentially as long as you keep up with the use but it also i guess makes 
all of humankind infertile. And I, I'm so confounded just by the setup because apparently it is very limited. It, the production of it is limited to Stephen Dorff's house in the desert. And also it has taken over the entire planet to the point that 99% of people are infertile. I think that's, I think that's the logic it's trying to get at. Forget all that. It's just, it doesn't make any sense on a plot level because it is just about showing you this futuristic world where angels or aliens come down to earth and try to kidnap the guy. And it ends in a stop motion battle between a monster and one of the angels or something that looks kind of neat. It's the most interesting thing that happens in this movie is the stop motion, except that it also is intercutting between the stop motion and an actual physical actor who looks nothing like his puppet. And that's a distraction. It has, it's so limited by the budget and it's so limited by I, I by the fact that i don't think it really knows what it's trying to do i think it's just trying to give you all this cool imagery yeah it's and vapid, this basic yeah this basic story about immortality and the cost of it and how people are just become hedonistic and i i don't i don't care there's nothing there's nothing to latch on to here yeah it's an exercise in style and it it doesn't do anything for me i don't even think it looks that cool it's got porn stars in it emily willis porn stars in this there's a bunch of random people in it i can't eat yeah i don't that, remember i anything. mean that kind of explains the first <laughs> first like 10 minutes where yes there's a very long softcore scene for no reason while the while the angels or aliens are stalking around the around the place that kind of makes sense i guess oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah it's really badly performed too i and there, it's got i mean steven dorf can be quite good um i'm trying to see who else Moises Arias is in this as one of the angels or aliens or whatever he's supposed to be, and he's a he's he's a good actor, and but I mean he's just yeah. There's silent. The, the acting is mostly bad. There's really no narrative to follow in any real way, but it really yeah. has this self importance that it's doing something cooler than it is, and there's just nothing to it. And it's a classic festival movie that people who saw it in the room may think it was had a good time, but then you walk away and you're like. Yeah, there's nothing there. Like it's just trying to be like Lynchian and weird and dreamy and nightmarey and it it's I don't know. No matter how nice it looks sometimes it just doesn't it's not it didn't feel subversive or anything in a way that it in any real way, you know? Like I feel like it's yeah. trying desperately to be transgressive and subversive, but it's just like there's just like some naked women in it. Like <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't good. It's like <laughs> yeah, a one but I mean yeah. Yeah, and I mean, with Lynch, Lynch comparison, I think, way off. I get it. I'm just saying, Lynch at least knows you need to connect with something in the movie. Yeah. Like either, like, suburbia and Blue Velvet, or the concept of Hollywood in Mulholland Drive. Something you could latch onto and connect with, that you understand in the real world. This is just, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was, if Scott Bakula developed a, an immortality drug and everybody took it? Like I no, I don't I don't care. You're not exploring ideas of immortality and morality and ethics until the very end. And then it's so over the top. Wait, I oh I forgot. Bella Thorne is like some ethereal oh, yeah. woman who's in another plane of existence and trying to collect women who I, I don't even know what's I really don't know what's going on. One star, and that's very generous, I think, because some of the visuals are neat. I like its grainy I assume it's all digitally shot. But it looks yeah. somewhat filmic, and I—I I don't know. One star. I just—I don't want to devote much more time to it. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, we teased you with what was ultimately just a really lame movie that you probably won't yes. even know how to watch because I don't know where it is. It's probably streaming. It's a very, 
limited, limited, limited theatrical release. Got it. Um, and then it's going to expand to a slightly less limited over the couple over the next few weeks in theory. Well, there you have it. That was Roger and me for the week of Friday, October 13th. We'll be back next week with the latest crime epic from Martin Scorsese and probably some other movies. But that's the main event. And we've both seen it. So don't worry. It's coming. Bye. The show starts in one... Shut up. Ush.